Felix the Rat. Felix cop. I'm telling you, he's a cop. I want to be know what was going on. You, you mother. If I was a cop, you'd be face down on the floor back there. Felix the Rat. Get out of the car. Fine, stop the car and I'll get out. Oh, I can't stop. No time. Get out of the car. Not now, David. Yes, now. Open the door. It's to the cops, just like Eddie. And Eddie had to die. The same rules should apply to Felix. <laughs> Never again. No, David, we can't do this. All right, everyone. Welcome back to uh, Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and joining me always is Soulbro and Chris. Guys, say hello. Hello. Yo. Yo. <laughs> uh, and this is going to be episode 169 of Gundam at MAHQ, and in this episode, we're going to be doing another review of kind of, I guess, maybe kind of an obscure show, and uh, it's called Flag, and it came out in 2007, and it's uh, a very interesting take on uh, mecha and geopolitical uh, stuff <laughs> that goes on with uh, large uh, bipedal robots. So, um, guys, anything as I'm walking over to the, the, the very busy Larry, Larry King Memorial News Studio? No, man, I'm ready to hear what's going on. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it was it was a it was a late one last night in the old Lord Larry King Memorial News Studio with all with uh, those uh, they call them debates, but I just call them the laughter hours. Because uh, <laughs> all you got all you got to do is laugh. I heard somebody's wife was insulted and some other stuff. Yo, craziness, craziness. Well, it's 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 like laughter hour and then fantasy land because uh, you know. If, Every, it's like return to Middle Earth, but not really. <laughs> so. <laughs> Coming to you from the Lord Larry King Memorial News Studio. You are the king. You are the king. This is some news, listener submitted news. And uh, if you ever have any news articles, you can always uh, post them in the news, listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. Oh, man. Mark this day. Oh. Uh, Bent Noir is not our first poster. Yo, get out of town. I am. Anybody heard from him? I mean, <laughs> I hope he's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, first one here comes from Rodimus76. And wow, this is some, uh, oh, this is some disheartening news. It sounds he initially has coming from here the Geek Tyrant Pacific Rim 2 production's been delayed, but then he updated it saying delay confirmed, production halted indefinitely so what's it say here words 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 uh project's been halted it definitely will be pushed back so it doesn't look like there's too much trouble uh any reasons 
It looks like Universal and Legendary Films have changed their minds. And so, yeah, not too much there. I don't know. Do you guys know anything else of why this was delayed? Or Apparently, uh, things aren't going quite so well between Universal and Legendary. Yeah, yeah that's what it kind of said there. So... Yeah. What is uh, legendary? Is what the production company and Universal yes. being the distributor? Okay. Yes. Well, well, Pacific Rim was uh, was produced by by Legendary, but uh, it, the label was uh, Warner Brothers for that one. But was uh, Pacific Rim two going to be under Universal? Universal. It yeah. was. Wow. I re yeah. I recently um uh, with un- with uh, Legendary they were able to talk Universal into letting Warner Brothers uh bring uh what's it King Kong under their umbrella for Skull Island because they have an idea of tying. Uh, oh wait. Oh great. Oh. Uh, oh, oh well, I mean, if you know, let me, let me, let me, let me. If, you, if it's coming up, uh, it, it ties yeah, into it tangentially. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll fix my face. Then go ahead. Rodimus seventy six. He's got a link here again from the Geek Tyrant saying King mm-hmm. Kong versus Godzilla is being planned as Skull Island moves to Warner Brothers. So yeah, um, yeah. Legendary Pictures is moving Kong Skull Island from Universal Pictures to Warner Brothers for a very good reason. They're going to make it into a King Kong versus Godzilla movie so mm-hmm. uh skull island was scheduled to be released march 10th of 2017 uh and then there was supposed to be the godzilla sequel that was going to be coming out on june 8th 2018 so i guess they're going to be um after that the two monsters will come face to face and square off in an <laughs> untitled uh king kong verse godzilla feature film so yeah, many years away so yeah they're trying, they're thank tr- you uh mr <laughs> Rodimus 76 and Solbro for your yeah, submissions. No problem. Well, they're, they're, they're trying to make that kaiju cinematic universe, and I, the, the word has it, uh, Mothra is going to be in the next Godzilla movie. Well, why, don't, uh, why don't they do this? Why mm-hmm. don't they make a Godzilla movie that you see Godzilla more than 15% of the movie? Hey, man, more than that, that 12% that, that, we got? <laughs> that, that might be... Uh, I mean, why don't we do that first before we start doing uh, matchups, you know? Well, right when that news broke, like the very next day, the Pacific Rim uh, news broke uh, about its indefinite halting. So there might be some kind of connection there since it's all tied into Legendary. I don't just have a three-way. <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what a lot of people were uh, speculating. But being oh, that sure Pacific Rim were. has been put on hold, I don't know if that'll happen. Maybe it will in the far future, but I'm interested in seeing where this goes. Hopefully it goes somewhere. Well, it's many years from now, so... Oh, yeah. You'll, you'll be um, collecting my pension. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Oh, great news. Vent Noir is okay. He has posted. There you go. So, and he actually gave us a double shot here. Uh, first one here shows from the Anime News Network all the flood victims in Japan. Well, they got free, uh, they got free drinks from the Gundam theme bar. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yudisomaya. So uh, when they had those heavy storms September 10th, uh, a lot of people were affected. Looks like 800,000 people were evacuated and they went to the Gundam bar and they got free uh, drinks, you know, so cool, cool stuff there. So, you know, bad, bad thing. You lose your house, but good thing you get to have free drinks at the Gundam bar. Yeah. Yeah. Houses swimming as you're drowning in your sorrows. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) up. That's do, you, cool. do you sit there uh, lamenting um, like Char? There you go. <laughs> In the Char pose. I just, I just remodeled, I just remodeled that, the guest bathroom. <laughs> my, my, my house was a spoiled house. <laughs> yes. Too used to being dry. <laughs> 
Oh man, but that's uh, that's cool that they're doing that to help out the people, man. It, it, every little bit helps, I'm sure. Sure. So, uh, and the second one here, Brent Noir, comes from the uh, Anime News Network too, and he's got a link here talking about the Fafner Exodus Two opening song, debut song, and visuals have been revealed. So, wow, hmm. look at this. Yeah, I haven't seen these characters before, and the anime will premiere on Friday, October second. Mm-hmm. Uh, of this year, it looks like. So there you go. Not bad, man. It's good. Good to see Fafner still kicking, man. It's still kicking, and those eyes are still looking all the same. All oh, the Harai faces. Good stuff. Harai face. Yes, <laughs> it's alive and well. All day, every day. <laughs> oh man. Hey, that's Kigali. It's Kira. I don't know who it is. <laughs> hey, this move over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he's the only one that looks different. <laughs> Who's this old guy? <laughs> but uh, thank you, Mr. Vent Noir, for your submission. Oh, the next one here comes from Mula Flaga. And uh, I'm sure Solbro is all over this. Oh. The Gundam, versus Ex- Gundam Extreme Versus Force coming to the PS Vita with English localization. Yeah. So you'll have something for you to play on your PS Vita, Solbro. Oh, boy. The PS yeah. Vita I don't own. <laughs> um, coming to the PS Vita. Mm-hmm. And it looks like uh, that's about all we have here. This is here. They're still waiting for a home version. The, the author here is still waiting for a home version of a Gundam Extreme versus Maxi Boost yeah. <laughs> at some point. So. Well, the Tokyo Game Show is going on right now, so hopefully they'll announce something. But it's looking less likely since uh, Namco Bandai already had their panel. So um, I don't know whenever we're going to get Maxi Boost, but this EX versus Force is like a guide-in game for the uh, for the Vita. And I'm excited for people who have Vita, and I'm also find it cool. I also find it cool that it has an English translation put into the Asian version of the game. Because it's so. so important to know what they're saying in these <laughs> games, right? Hey, no, I you mean, know what though? Every little bit helps, and it, it, that that amazingness, that probably that amazing story of <laughs> I'm gonna fight you. Let's battle. There's other modes in the Level game. Two. These are. <laughs> there's other modes in the game you can navigate through a whole lot easier if there's a translation. But the Asian version, for those who are going to be importing it, you want to get the Asian version because that'll have the English localization. What about the young Asian boy version? Oh boy, yo, the hot pants are ready. <laughs> Ready to go. No, uh, I I've, I I don't know if the Japanese version will, but they did confirm the Asian version will. So that'll be the one to look for, guys. But okay. No problem. And the next one here comes from Rodimus76. Oh, this is more gaming news. There's the UK, and I think that's in Britain. Oh, boy. They're going to launch a free-to-play shooter, Ghost in the Shell, online. And it's going to arrive in the UK, US, Europe, Latin America, and Australia at some point before the... Ahead of the worldwide rollout, and mm-hmm. it's being done by a company called Nexon America, and I've never heard of them. And it's just like they said in this article, you may not have heard them before, but the Western Arm is making a play-to-pay snap, uh, free-to-win titles. So, oh, the publisher is also handling the next game. That's uh, from uh, what's his face, Cluffy B, the guy that did uh, uh, Gears, Gears of War. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's based around the anime spinoff Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. You're going to be able to control and customize your own cyborg with various powers and skills to unlock characters. Share these abilities with nearby characters. PE, PVE, and PVP will be supported. So yeah. That sounds kind of cool. I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I suck at first-person shooters, but I've been I've been following this for a while, and uh, I'll definitely give it a try when it comes out. Sounds good. Thank you, Mister Rodimus76, for your submission. Oh, Gundam Type Zero has got a link here, and I mean, what better way to really make 
a dinner special oh. is now you can really make it special is with some gold-plated Gundam dinnerware. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. There is a um, company called Hizuka that has done the Gundam gilted glass plates. It's a fourth set of the Discover G line that features the Gundam on traditional Japanese product. Gold dishes featuring illustrations of the traditional Gundam and Saku unit drawn by Kunio Okawara. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Do these... <laughs> Do these uh, plates have backpack attachments? Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Triangles on the knees. And the plates come with two special display stands for each piece. Uh, oh, you can't eat off them? Oh, that sucks. Oh, what? You're just supposed to, just supposed to display these? How dare you? <laughs> what is it from? The Franklin Mint? <laughs> yeah. Well, they're about seventy dollars US, mm-hmm. and there's pre-orders that are being accepted until September 24th, mm-hmm. and the plates are going to ship in January. So, um, and they'll also be available at the Gundam Cafe in Akihabara. So that's uh, that's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah, they look good. I gotta say, I'm looking at them now. They, they look pretty cool. But uh, damn, <laughs> I, I'd have to run out of things to buy to pick these up. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, what is this, like 1992, when they used to do all those plates? You can now have this commemorative plate, you know? I can only imagine Otaku's Last time I remember plate, anybody selling the plates for the, uh, you remember when President Obama got elected? Oh, yeah. They were, they were hawking the hell out of the President Obama plate. Commemorative, commemorative plates? Oh, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. I can only imagine Otaku in Japan up at 3 in the morning seeing infomercials for these. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Oh man! So, uh, thank you, Mister Gundam Type Zero, for your submission. And it looks like we only got really about uh, two gun robot apocalypse news. So, so, bro, hit that. Let's go. Why is Neo so robophobic? And the first one here is very, very disturbing. It's from Rodimus76, and it looks like there is, and it looks like there's a cheater robot that Ooh. never loses at rock, paper, scissors. Yes. What? Been, yeah. University of Tokyo has created a uh, robotic hand that never loses at rock, paper, scissors, but it's reading, but it does this by reading your hand with a winning gesture in less than a a millisecond. So basically, it sees what you're about to do, and then it cha- it changes it and stuff like that. So cheating robots. Not only will they, <laughs> they not only will they cheat, but they will rip off your face. So thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for that little thing there. If it lost, it probably tear off your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. And the next one here comes from Vent Noir, and uh, th- this I, I don't understand people. I really don't. He's got a link here about some company that wants to start a sports league with giant fighting robots. Well, in some ways, this sounds really cool, but we need to make sure that these don't have AI. Mm-hmm. Now, if we have people controlling them, somewhat that's pretty cool. But and it looks like these are going to be battling robots. But how many times have they tried to do? How, how many times has BattleBots been like? Uh, revisioned on TV. So didn't they just release? Didn't they release another version of that not too long ago? Again? Yeah, they got, they got version a version of BattleBots. Yeah, they got a current version that's on. Uh, I think ABC now. I could be wrong what network it's on, but there's there's one on air right now. Yeah. So yeah, so they're um, they're trying to start a sports league of. Uh, they, they actually give you the rules of robot battle. <laughs> Yo, we, we we real steel now. <laughs> yeah, Yo, that would be kind of cool. Yo, where's Hugh Jackman at? <laughs> 
I mean, it's cool. But the picture I'm seeing here between uh, that American robot that they uh, showed off at a competition here not too long ago versus the Karatas, the the Japanese mecha that I think cost like a million dollars to have uh, one made for you or something like that. I forget. It's a who won? Um, I I don't know who won. I have no idea uh, if the fight went down or not yet. But I, I know it's uh, pending. Last I checked. So if it happened, I'm kind of curious to find out who won myself. Yeah, a robot did. Well, <laughs> I mean, after a while, I, I used to watch BattleBots too, and it, it's kind of cool initially. And then after a while, it's kind of like it's the same thing. It's robots, really, you know, and people trying to control them. So I'll tell you who loses: humans. Who? Oh yeah, <laughs> always. Oops, do. Between that and self-driving cars, we're pretty much screwed. Oh yo, I blame Elon Musk <laughs> and the but, dude from Uber. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, thank you. Uh, Vent Noir for your submission. And now for oh. the best part of the news. Ooh. The one that we always eagerly await. Some survey news. Let's go. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Oh my God, that's bullshit. What the? Dude, can we uh, bring the brewskis? And the first one here comes from Rodimus76. And this is coming from the Geek Tyrant website. And it sounds like Transformers 4 is going to have dual storylines. So you know what that means? Transformers 5. They're remaking 4, guys. (laughs) Transformers 5 will have dual storylines. So that means it's going to have four climaxes. Mm -hmm. So we know in every survey movie, you have kind of like the... The, the pre-climax and then the actual ending of the film. <laughs> Unless it's Armageddon where that movie ends three ta- three, in three different times. Well, so. this, uh, this apparently has already been debunked. Oh, has, has it? it now? Oh, wow. Yeah, the uh, voice actor in question who plays Bumblebee says that he never said anything about this and uh, that it's not true. Yeah, that's what they're saying here. Is, uh, he, I guess he mentioned this in, a, in an interview or something like that. Spoke about the project. Oh, at a convention in the UK. And yeah, of course. Ooh, fan predictions. Oh, okay. Oops. So thank you for that uh, update there, Editor Chris. Thank you uh, for that. But we do have one more survey news alert. Oh. And this seems like maybe, oh, our prayers have been answered. Our prayers have been answered. Damn you, pop-ups. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this is coming from <laughs> Billy Gundam fan. And this is coming from Collider.com, and it says here, Transformers 5 is going to be directed by Sir Michael Bay, and a certain star is going to be returning. No, 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 no. No? Just do it, guys. You were wrong. Oh, man, for real? Remember, he found something in one of these movies. Can I be a Transformer? You can again, Mark Wahlberg. You can be a Transformer. I just hope they're not a Vietnamese Transformer. Optimus, would you like a Wahlberger? <laughs> yes, it says here that uh, Sir Bay is going to come back to uh, direct, and it looks like uh, they've been confirmed that Mark Wahlberg is going to star in it. So. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. You know, he's a compelling yeah. lead. Uh, you know, you know K- we want to see some of that Cade Yeager genius, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, other, what, other, what other fucking dumb robots that he built? Hopefully his building skill is a little bit better this time around. If he's going to be the next wheeljack, he needs to step up his game. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, 
Um, yes, our oh. prayers have been answered. Sorbet is directing Transformers Five. It's 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 this is a good day. This, it's, this, it's finally been confirmed, man. I, I know he. Uh, it was it was uh it was it was a uh, rough rough waters for a moment. I guess he was renegotiating I, with the studio who, or something. Who would have directed? I mean, who would have continued the excellence <laughs> and, and going on? Well, I got some extra survey news for you. Oh, oh do you? you oh, have a bonus? Oh, man, bonus coverage bonus of survey. survey. We, I don't think we've ever had bonus survey coverage. No. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, correspondent Chris. So the uh, news is out that the screenplay for Transformers 5 will be written by Akiva Goldsman, who is the oh. head of the Transformers universe writing room and is the the guy who gave us the abomination of Batman and Robin. So keep that in mind. Yeah, he's been hit and miss. Batman and Robin, which one is? That's the last Batman before they got good again, right? Yeah. That's the one with Arnold. Uh, what killed the dinosaurs? I, the Ice Age. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen that one, but I, I will. We'll watch periodically when I'm feeling down the, the those mashups of all the lines that all the bad lines that Arnold says. Yeah. <laughs> it's the chilling sound of your doom. I mean, I mean, Goldsmith also wrote a, a beautiful mind and some other Who cares? movies, did, but yeah, he did he a Winter's Tale. <laughs> and he, he also he, did he's done Batman some Forever, which is not that great of a movie either. Yeah, yeah, he, he did that. But I'm, I'm just saying, he's always been hit or miss. But I don't think, I don't think Transformers is in, a, is in his wheelhouse at all. Honestly, I don't, and I, I don't know why they got him. Maybe because his prestige precedes him. But honestly, he's been, sw- he's been uh, striking out more than he has been. Uh, when he did write for Fringe, though, Chris, you've seen Fringe. So what did you think of uh, his his uh, his work in the series? Was it okay, or was was I it... can't think of whatever it is that he did specifically. <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> I think I think he's probably I think Akiva Goldsman is like just the Kurtzman and Orsi of the '90s and slash early aughts that movies succeed in spite of him, not because of him. Mm, yeah. Mm. Well, he wrote Insurgent. Oh God, come on. <laughs> <laughs> never, never seen that. So yeah, he's been striking out. You wrote Cinderella, man, though. But yeah, I, 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 I wish they would find someone else. They have a whole staff of writers. They have so what Robert if they, Kirkman. What if they do now. a Transformers film based on like a Cinderella Man type of story? Oh boy, maybe that would work. Yo, <laughs> with Blaster as the boxer, let's let's go. <laughs> no, Op- Optimus is down on his luck, and mm-hmm. he needs to, you know, fight back up. So uh, okay, but yeah, well, anyways. You can't, you can't rain on my parade. Sir Bay's back, so I, I would pay to see Transformers boxing. <laughs> hey, man, real steel yeah, yet again. Kind of cool. Real steel like, part two. Un- underground Transformer boxing run by the Decepticons. Sweet. Oh yeah, and it's like part of they 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 bet um, Energon on it. That's what's yeah. up. Oh my god, the Energon chips. Let's go. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, but well, I mean, you already got a script written right there. <laughs> what was it in Transformers Prime? They talked about what Megatron was like. He was the gladiator type dude. He, he was basically the man running like the under or uh, fighting in the underground boxing, wasn't he? Or the underground fighting pits or whatever. That's right. The gladiator. Went, gladiator pits or whatever. Yeah. He was, he was the Tyler Durden of his day, man. <laughs> uh, he was more like a, a fighter. Like, guy, but, I mean, he's like a gladiator guy. There you go. So, but, uh, well, well, thank you, correspondent Chris, for that. So, uh, that's it for the news. And like I've always said, if you have any news, you can always, uh, 
put it into the submit it to the news listeners submit news articles thread in the Gundam section on the Mecha Talk forum. And um, you guys, you know, we're going to be making some history here because we have some old timey, the remainder of the old timey. Uh, I don't know how much more Chris is going to be. I don't know how many more episodes he's going to be going through with this because I believe uh, last episode he said he locked down the thread and uh, we're going to just let it kind of fade off into the sunset. But he's going to burn off what was uh, posted. So uh, here's uh, some now old timey with Chris and maybe this could be the last one. Who knows? It's not the last one, but only a few left. Oh, there we go. I'm trying to get the suspense, man. <laughs> I'm trying to sell the sizzle there. And I go and remove it. <laughs> so the first one comes from listener MCT Dread with some uh, Dos Equis. Oh, shit. Yes. Kuba imports cigars from him. Mosquitoes <laughs> refuse to bite him purely out of respect. In museums, he is allowed to touch the art. He has won the Lifetime Achievement Award twice. He is fluent in all languages, including three that he only speaks. His pinatas fight back. He is the most interesting man in the world. That does sound like it's from back. Yes, <laughs> sentient pinatas, sign me up. And the next one is from Vent Noir, who has the opening stanza of the classic Australian poem, The Man from Snowy River. Oh, what do they know Isn't about that... snow in Australia? <laughs> Shouldn't that be the man from Cell Block C? <laughs> Jesus. There was movement at the station, for the word had passed around that the colt from old regret had got away and had joined the wild bush horses. He was worth a thousand pounds, so all the cracks had gathered to the fray. All the tried and noted riders from the stations near and far had mustered at the homestead overnight, for the bushmen love hard riding where the wild bush horses are, and the stock horse snuffs the battle with delight. Man, yo, Van Noir hit us with a little bit of class. Good stuff. Next up is Cult Classic. This episode of Gundam brought to you by LASIK. LASIK corrects your eyesight so you don't have to wear your nostalgia glasses anymore. It works by firing lasers at your eyes, forcing you to continue to experience the decade you want. Endorsed by Soulbro. <laughs> what the? Oh my god. Oh, cold classic. You're too funny. Next one up is from listener Dizzy Das. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. When I was a child, I saw my mother killed by something impossible. My father went to prison for her murder. Then an accident made me the impossible. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, I use my speed to fight crime and find others like me. And one day, I'll find who killed my mother and get justice for my father. I am The Flash! Ah, uh, yeah. Yo, the monologue, man. Good stuff. Next one is from Yokozuna Bulldozer. MacGruber, making life-saving inventions out of household materials. MacGruber, getting in and out of ultra-sticky situations. MacGruber, the guy's a friggin' genius. MacGruber. Hell yeah. <laughs> the next one's from Fear Junkie, who has some uh, musical instructions for Soulbro. Oh my, alright. These both relate to uh, PT slash Silent Hills. Of course, of course, Eddie. Oh, Don't delete it off your PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, the first one. 
I could do nothing but walk, and then I saw me walking in front of myself. But it wasn't really me. Watch out. The gap in the door. It's a separate reality. The only me is me. Are you sure the only you is you? <laughs> oh, man, I wish I knew that, but I, I was too chicken shit to play the game. Next up. Dad was such a drag. Every day he'd eat the same kind of food, dress the same, sit in front of the same kind of games. Yeah, he was just that kind of guy. But then one day, he goes and kills us all. He couldn't even be original about the way he did it. I'm not complaining. I was dying of boredom anyway. But guess what? I'll be coming back, and I'm bringing my new toys with me. Oh, wow. <laughs> Go Silent Hill. Never change. Next one up is from The Shades, short and sweet. Mos Eisley Spaceport. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Sounds like it's just taken out of the film. (laughs) (laughs) And next is Zero the Masked Knight with some uh, good old 1984. Power is in inflicting pain and humiliation. Power is in tearing human minds to pieces and putting them together again in new shapes of your own choosing. Do you begin to see, then, what kind of world we are creating? It is the exact opposite of the stupid, hedonistic utopias that the old reformers imagined. A world of fear and treachery is torment. A world of trampling and being trampled upon. A world which will grow not less but more merciless as it refines itself. Progress in our world will be progress towards more pain. The old civilizations claim that they were founded on love or justice. Ours is founded upon hatred. In our world, there will be no emotions except fear, rage, triumph, and self-abasement. There will be no loyalty except loyalty towards the party. There will be no love except the love of Big Brother. There will be no laughter except the laugh of triumph over a defeated enemy. But always, do not forget this, Winston. Always there will be the intoxication of power, constantly increasing and constantly growing subtler. Always, at every moment, there will be the thrill of victory, the sensation of trampling on an enemy who is helpless. If you want a picture of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. Yo, man, we got a nice dose of Orwell? (laughs) (laughs) It put you to work today. (laughs) Nice submission, though. And next one's Yoko's in a Bulldozer. Hi, I'm Suga Akira. Are you tired of walking long distances? Have you always dreamed of riding convertibles? Well, no more worries. The Suga Akira Call Taxi Co. got you covered. (laughs) Call 1-800-SUGA-FTW and I, Suga Akira, will personally drive you to your destination like a cheetah that has activated Trans Am. Enjoy the finest life has to offer while you and I chat about life or Gundam trivia. If you have no money on you, no worries. Just pay me in high-grade kits or a perfect grade if you feel generous. (laughs) Call now and I will build you a free Gumpla after the ride. Call now. Yo, Akira's Akira's Uber service is off the chain. (laughs) And we're going to close out with uh, one from Zaldron. 
So this uh, is hitting up the other guy on CW. Oh, no. Uh, some Oliver Queen. Dope. So let's do some season one. My name is Oliver Queen. For five years, I was stranded on an island with only one goal, survive. Now I will fulfill my father's dying wish to use the list of names he left me and bring down those who are poisoning my city. To do this, I must become someone else. I must become something else. (laughs) I wonder what that something else will be. Yeah. Uh, season two. Blah, blah, blah. After five years on a hellish island, I have come home with only one goal. To save my city. But to do so, I can't be the killer I once was. To honor my friend's memory, I must be someone else. I must be something else. Okay. Your spoilers. Season three. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, 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 blah. Now others have joined my crusade. To them, I'm Oliver Queen. To the rest of Starling City, I am someone else. I am something else. And here's some more. Mm-hmm. My name was <laughs> Oliver Queen. For three years, I worked to save my city. But to save my sister, I had to become someone else. I had to become something else. <laughs> always, there's, there's like a common theme I'm, I'm starting to... Yeah. He's always transforming. <laughs> He's always got to become something or someone or something else. Oliver, how many and have the, the last one. Blah, 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 blah. And I did. <laughs> I became a hero who helped people. But now it's time for me to be someone else. It's time for me to be something, something else. else. <laughs> Everyone. And <laughs> live in the suburbs. <laughs> oh, man. Season four, please be good. <laughs> you know what? Let's do, a few, let's do a few more. No problem. Uh, this one's from Fear Junkie. Oh. The Ode to Melancholy by John Keith, bringing in the, the literature. Wow. Oh, nice. I, in the very temple of delight, veiled melancholy has her sovereign shrine, though seen of none save him whose strenuous tongue can burst joy's grape against his palate fine. His soul shall taste the sadness of her might and be among her cloudy trophies hung. Nice selection, fair junkie, man. You you, you, you were stepping it up, sir. All right. Uh, this one, I'm going to close. Oh, there this, we is go. Per- this is from the foul sorceress. Oh, of course. Dande ista la bablio tika and la lamo t-bone la arena discoteca discoteca munica la biblioteca esta en bigotis grandis el pero mantica matica bigotes Giganti, piquino, la cabeza es nieve, cerveza es bueno, buenos días, me gusta papas fritas, los bigotes de la cabra es Cameron Diaz. Couldn't have said it better myself. Exactly. <laughs> it's like I'm watching an episode of Community. <laughs> So uh, normally I would say uh, drop more submissions, but of course you can't because there will be no more submissions. Oh, no more. But I still got about a page and a half to work through, so, so the old timey will will last a while yet. So I turn it 
back to you, Neo. Okay. Any anything, guys? Before we go into our first and only topic of the night, the 13 episode show flag. No, man. I'm ready to ready to talk about it, man. All right. We'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Podcasting is king. You are listening to Gundam at MAHQ. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com the Ass Backwards Enemy Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls, warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against... Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name? Chairman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. Wow, this is pretty cool! Alright! Not the shoes! I have been having a very bad day! Just got out of jail this morning! Already I have been shot at! I was on the bus that flipped over 17 times! A bitch tried to stab me in the bathroom! But somebody blew up my Porsche! I am in a bad goddamn mood! Now I usually don't jump in when somebody's getting beat down! But this man Jack Cates is gonna help me straighten out the rest of my day! Now I suggest y'all back up and let us go about our business! Cause you got a gun? No, because I have a gun and I pop a cap in your ass! Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris. We're getting into our main topic tonight, which is a discussion of Flag. 
the 2006 TV series directed by Ryosuke Takahashi of Photomes and Dugrum and Galliant and Laser Fame, all of which we've discussed. Oh yeah, this podcast, yeah. which is why I mentioned them all. <laughs> We're cutting our way through his uh, his his library, man. His uh, his discography. <laughs> And, of course, speaking of Galliant, you can check out MHQ's new Galliant Mecha section right now at MHQ.net. Oh, nice segue. Good stuff. Yeah. So, I say TV series, but actually, Flag debuted as a pay-per-view stream on the Bandai channel, which, coming nearly 10 years ago, must have been a pretty new innovation back then. Mm -hmm. So, Flag, uh... Very different mecha series from what you're probably used to, which we'll get into very shortly. But uh, the basics of the story, it's set in a fictional Middle Eastern country called Uriyana that resembles Nepal a lot, but with uh, the Dalai Lama's temple from Tibet just randomly thrown for the hell of it, because why not? So there's been a violent civil war there that the UN has been intervening in and trying to put an end to, and a young Japanese photojournalist named Saeko Shirasu catches a photo of um, a UN flag with uh, Uriyana symbols on it, but the exact moment of the Flash happens to capture a religious woman uh, praying behind the flag with the sun behind her, so both of those are captured in the silhouette of the flag, and this this photo becomes world famous instantly, and the flag becomes the rallying symbol towards a peace agreement that the UN is trying to broker. Mm-hmm. So we start off um, by finding out that Shirasu has been given an assignment to be embedded with a special UN team out in a distant base, and she uh, slips a disc with classified information to her senpai, uh, an older cameraman named Keiichi Akagi, who stays behind in the Uriyana capital city of Tsubashi. So it's worth mentioning at this point that the whole perspective of this series is entirely through cameras. Mm -hmm. You never see anything in this anime from the normal perspective that you expect. Everything is either still photographs or video from a camera, a webcam, a drone, the interior camera from a helicopter or mecha cockpit, the exterior cameras from those, uh, infrared cameras, night vision cameras. Everything is always done through cameras, and you always have some kind of HUD with stuff like you know the battery level, the f-stops, the timestamp, the aspect ratio. There's always a display that gives you an indication that you are viewing things through a camera, and there's a graininess to all of the footage, which gives it a very uh, documentary kind of feel. Mm-hmm. As close as you can get to a documentary feel for something that is obviously animated. So Shirasu is flown out to this remote base, which is occupied by the Special Development Command, which is uh, just called CDEC for short. And she meets these soldiers who basically are manning top-secret transforming mecha called a Havoc. And transforming mecha is a little... uh, A bit of a misnomer because it's basically just like a tank on wheels that can stand up and walk. Pretty much. And I swear to God, if if I see that transforming schematic one more damn time, 
<laughs> that they use as a shortcut to not actually show the transformation. Yeah. You're like every other episode. <laughs> yeah. So the CDAC, their special mission is that the actual flag was stolen by some rebels and there's a uh, countdown to the peace agreement being signed and obviously they can't sign the peace agreement if the symbol of peace isn't there. Oh yeah. So the CDAC has been tasked with raiding the ruins of this remote metazone temple that belonged to the uh, Gelt sect, which is a uh, rather extremist offshoot of Buddhism that originally started as an assassin's cult of all things. Oh, yeah. So you get a lot of training on um, Shirasu's perspective. And then back in Subashi, you see Akagi dealing with like the bullshit of uh, the UN's completely nonsense daily press briefings where they're painting a rosy picture that is deflated the instant you walk out the door. <laughs> Or how he goes out and explores the city, and he meets uh, this woman who was the temporary goddess known as the Kufura, and she tells him about her land and everything. Mm -hmm. And then back with Shirasu, she gets to know more of the crew better, and then eventually they go on their raid at the Metazone Temple and find that the flag was not there and that the signal they were following was uh, bogus. Unfortunately, uh, one of the pilots, Lieutenant Ichi Yanagi, has to abandon his havoc and it gets destroyed and then replaced. Yeah. So as the search continues, they find out that it's actually in the Dalai Lama's palace, or I should say uh, Rapo's palace, and they uh, do a little raid on there against orders. And as we head into the close closing arc of the series – these uh, Gelt extremists launch an attack on the hotel that the UN is using as its command center and take control of it with the help of some secret prototype Chinese mecha known as the Longku that also can transform. <laughs> and I say transform lightly. Yeah. <laughs> More like it sits down and rolls away. But, exactly. You know, whatever. <laughs> so the CDAC launch a daring raid against the occupied command center. They rescue the hostages, which allows the rest of the UN forces to come in and um, clean up. And they manage to reclaim the flag before the insurgents can get away. And at this point, um, Shirasu and... Akagi are reunited. They talk about what uh, they're going to be doing. Akagi decides to stay for a while longer. And Shirasu gets a message from her brother reminding her that it's their dad's birthday in a couple of days. So she decides to get a quick flight back to Tokyo. And it's at that point that uh, she is killed when a terrorist bomb goes off in the airport which plunges Akagi into uh, a bottle mm -hmm. and he stays there for a while. But then he decides to uh, <clears throat> work on all of the footage that she shot, which was seized by the UN high ups, but all of the people she had befriended at the CDAC slipped her a copy of everything that she did. And she left that to Akagi right before her untimely death. And he decides to go back to uh, his job and, uh, you know, do things in her place. Oh, the yeah. 
So, Solbro, what did you think of Flag? Wow, man. Um, I had put off watching the show for a long time. I, I got the DVDs over the time that they were actually coming out. And I remember the problems with the uh, Bandai release and having to, having to return one of my discs, which kind of... That second volume? That second volume. I watched the first volume, right? And then the second volume was messed up, so I never bothered watching it. And that's where I kind of stopped. Um, it wasn't until we actually took up the charge to review it for Gundam that I finally finished watching the show. And, man... It hit me like a punch in the gut, man. Watching the show, I knew there had to be some kind of cost to what was going on. And I did find it kind of strange that while watching this show, all the characters that were introduced to, uh, save for like a few tertiary characters, no one really died throughout the course of the show. I thought that for a second that the Japanese pilot might have uh, might have kicked the bucket somewhere along the way, I believe. Uh, his name's Shin, right? Ichiyagi, uh, Ichiyanagi. I thought he might have died in that one episode where he was stuck in the labyrinth of the temple at the top of that mountain face, but uh, he managed to get out and they destroyed the uh, the havoc in order to make sure that the enemy didn't get it. And I thought it was a pretty intense episode. I thought we were actually going to lose someone there, but when we went through the whole series and they all made it, you know, despite the close calls that they got into, I had a feeling that the other shoe was going to drop. Uh, watching the show so um, I thought it was the way the storyline was framed uh, using the uh, the cameras as a storytelling device. I thought it was a work of genius. In, in some shows, it can probably get old, but in this, it worked out perfect. Whether it was still pictures or, or other forms of uh, uh, cameras taking uh, taking the scene in, I thought it was just implemented so well. You don't even seem to notice as you watch after a while, uh, save for certain scenes. But it, it I, I could see that it allowed them to kind of get away with a, a few... Uh, I get away with saving the animation budget for like the real big scenes for having for having static cameras and uh, cameras not having to move and everything like that. They were able to take animation shortcuts certain places so that way it would pay off in other places because the show is well animated for the most part. And when they could get away with uh, not having to overextend the budget, the 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 uh, storytelling gimmick actually works out very well. I love the cast. I thought the cast was off the chain, um, especially Akagi. Um, since he was telling the story, we got to see kind of like two two storylines throughout the series the a and b stories and how they would intersect as he was working on the front lines in order to find out what was going on and then you'd see uh shirasu as she's going through what she's going through with the uh with the CDAC group, how she gets to know them, find out more about each uh, each person, and then goes to stay with some of the indigenous people in the area. I love the episode where she um, decides to stay with the doctor and the gypsies for overnight in order to kind of uh, see more what, what what they're about. And we get to know her more as a result. You really get um, tied down to her. Uh, you, you really get to enjoy her character for the most part uh, when it comes to Shirasu. I, I liked her quite a bit. And um, to see her journey go along like that, when the other shoe does drop in the final episode and they they pretty much let you know right off the bat that it happens when she's at the airport and then you get to see from her perspective her last moments when she's filming with her camera um the uh, the two girls that she's talking to and then the bomb goes off that's a shocking shocking moment so shocking they run it back right after it happens and you could see that's probably from the perspective of akagi actually watching her final footage you know, when you see it the first time, you're not really thinking much of it. But when it happens, it's like, what the hell happened? I hope everything's okay. And then they run it back a second time. And then how the episode completely plays out, I, it just, it broke me, man. I'm watching that last episode. And when it finished, I was crying. <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it. I was actually tearing up. I was glassy, man. I, I was really upset at the final episode of the show. It's something that had to happen because there had to be, a, I honestly believe there had to be a cost of what went on. And um, I, I, to me, I kind of got the vibe that she was going to die from watching the series since she never narrated shit throughout the show and it was Akagi doing all the narration. There had to be a reason for it. And then to find out that she did, I, I didn't want to believe it, but I was definitely... Uh, 
still uh, rocked by the uh, the finale. To me, this is probably Takahashi's strongest series to me. Um, even though it's short, um, it definitely packs a punch throughout it. And uh, it feels like it pulls a lot from today's headlines, too, which uh, makes me appreciate it uh, more. I'll just uh, mention these last few things. Uh, I love the strong female leads in the show, especially Chris Eversault, the captain of SEADAC. Uh, I thought she was fantastic. And like nobody seemed to be a stereotype in the show. I thought they really pulled that off, especially having a multicultural cast in the series. I thought it was that that was pretty fantastic. And I caught that little Easter egg in the final episode when uh, Akagi's in the bar in Japan, and you actually see the singer of the ending theme in the background actually singing in the lounge i thought it was really cool but the the thing that really got me the thing that hit me the hardest was when you watch the ending theme for the final time and they show the camera and the and the good luck charm right and then the camera pans it out for all the other episodes it stays in a static shot of that camera and it doesn't reveal to you um the other side of the camera and then on the final episode, the camera turns around 90 degrees and you see the damage to uh, to her camera from the explosion that she died in. And it looks like Akagi kept it as a memento for uh, from her. So uh, that rocked the shit out of me. And uh, I, I definitely enjoyed watching this series. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys take over. But uh, back to you, Chris. You'll be OK. Uh, I'll be OK, man. <laughs> it sounds like you're about Dude, to uh, seriously. About to lose it. I talked to my brother, Anthony, who watched it like when I was collecting the DVDs. He was watching them as they were coming out. And he kept telling me, dude, you need to watch Flag. When are you going to watch it? And it's like, I'll, I'll check it out sometime. And I put it off for like two years. And then when I finally watched like it. a familiar story. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I finished watching it, he, he lives with me now. So I said, Anthony, come here for a second. And he came in. He saw me uh, like like with Kleenex, man, covered uh, cleaning myself up. And it's like, dude, this fucking show. <laughs> And we talked about it for an hour. So um, it uh, also, it reminds me a little bit of Area 88 and You Go to Negotiator. If you guys want to watch any shows that are like this, check those two out. But um, back to you guys. So is, is this a, a record that it only took you two years to follow somebody's recommendation to watch something uh, and see that it was good and, oh, and worthwhile? Only two, huh? <laughs> well, he borrows a lot of anime from me and he was telling me to check it out. And I just, I, I kept it on the docket. Yeah, I kept it, I kept it on the... Uh, a back burner until now so i'm glad i finally got to see it and definitely uh i recommend it highly but uh back to you chris and neo your thoughts on flag um yeah i mean like chris said i i guess the the first thing that you really notice is just the way it's filmed and at first you know you're not when you see things going through cameras like that we, we we've seen it before in shows but then it eventually goes to the normal way that we view it you know it's always that third person perspective and things like that uh even even in a lot of these ones where um you know you, you had those string of movies like in the early 2000s mid 2000s where everything was like kind of documentary film style but it eventually seems like it kind of gets to the normal movie viewing or a normal viewing that you would get in a show, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't quit on this show. And once you really get kind of past it, I mean, I'll be honest, I'd say the, it took me about a, a, a episode and a half to really get kind of comfortable because it is, it is a different way of really displaying the show. And as you sit there and you see the story develop and you see the characters develop within it, it makes a lot of sense. It's got, if you're looking for mecha battles in every episode, this is not your show. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it's not good because there's a lot of like geopolitical stuff. You know, Chris says, you know, the whole thing with like uh, the cynicism dealing with the uh, the UN daily briefings. We see that, and gosh, uh, man, it seemed like pretty much every episode there was some type of um, 
you know, news report or something like that coming out of the UN, and, and one of these reporters always, you know, taking, uh, uh, you know, taking umbrage to it, or, or <laughs> you know, or basically saying, you know, what's what's going on here? They're they're lying. Yeah, save, save lots. For the- Safe for the Mecca, it's very real world on how everything is like uh, presented, especially the, well, the news conferences, even, man. Oh my God, that, that hit home. <laughs> I, I, I would even say to the point of the Mecca, because I mean, mm-hmm. if there was a point, if we finally had Mecca available oh, yeah. uh, right now, you know, with our military and the military forces of the world, I think they're going to be closer. You know, that's going to be the next evolution is kind of this tank like thing that has that goes by pedal, but uh, is very kind of slow moving, but still pretty much acts and is used as a tank because we really see that throughout this that the, you know, the Havocs, they're just large, they're just a large metal beast highly armored with a big cannon on them that eventually we see that that cannon's not even worth anything that they have to start bringing in um you know other weapons so uh, that was pretty interesting but it kind of gives you um you know shirasu yeah she's the main character but you see uh you get enough of a kagi where it's almost like they're dual they're dual leads in some ways oh yeah you know but she definitely is the major lead because it, it, it is her, you know, seeing her embedded with the CDAC group and then, you know, how she's dealing with this thing with the, the picture and the flag and then, of course, her ultimate demiser, spoiler alert. But um, it's just kind of one of these things where you look at it and it's like, especially, did you guys sit there and go, wow, did, is there ever an instance in history where people would spend this much time and effort and resources save a flag to save something that really isn't i mean how important really was it is 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 the flag important or was the picture more important when it came to i mean the flag when you when they finally do you finally do see it it's behind that guy rupo's uh uh where he's you know in his in his castle there and 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 it kind of in his throne room you just kind of see it up there and it doesn't have the same um you know the same effect that the picture does so it it that that was something i sat there and i was like you know why would they do this but you know um there was a lot of there was a lot of parts in here uh where where you'd see the same thing uh the way the un would do things uh you know there's definitely a conspiracy with them it's it did you it, it's kind of implied that the whole that the flag was never really needed right in the end did you guys kind of get that where you know this peace agreement was going to happen no matter what and this whole thing with the flag uh and sending out the cdac comp or cdac um command that it just it just really wasn't it it seemed like it was almost like a way of seeing who was trying to pull the strings within that country. Well, didn't it get uh, covered up that the, the flag was even stolen? Like that wasn't even public. They did, they, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They they did they kept that secret, but yeah. it's almost kind of implied at the end though the UN, even though they sat there and told the CDAC that you know this is very important, you know, made all these guys believe that this is this most important thing that they have to get this flag. It almost seems like they weren't you know when they got it it was like oh well thanks you know 
big deal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this was going to happen regardless. So well, I mean, it was it was seen as a symbol for uh, for for the revolution in that nation, and I think ultimately they would need it when the peace accords were signed. But maybe they could have finagled their way out of it. But they couldn't get it. It it seemed like a fringe mission, like uh, the Monuments Men, or you know, what uh, going on a quest to save Private Ryan. But it, with, with the uh, with the fact that the UN was actually willing to put resources into it, as opposed to it being like a uh, a fringe mission that they could barely spare yeah, people I almost, I almost get the i almost get it i almost get the feeling though that they kind of did all that just to see the chinese break out the long coup and, and <laughs> really kind of see what this uh what, what were they called again the the clan the uh Gelt. the gelts mm-hmm. yeah what you know what role they were playing and everything yeah that's kind of the thing i interpreted at the end where it was just a lot about nothing and then like you said there's as much as all the stuff that's going on in the civil war none of the main characters or none of the, even the secondary characters people that we really can put names to faces they don't get hurt you know nobody gets hurt really nobody really gets killed i mean the two pilots get hurt when the, that first attack at the metazone temple but you know they're backing up and running no big deal until the end when um you know, uh, Shirasu gets killed, and that yeah. last episode—it just had this. This it, she had so much the stench of death when you saw her Ooh. coming. As like, it's like when they had this whole thing of like, oh, she's going to the. When you see the initial thing where it's like showing her with the people at the airport, and then yeah. it cuts off, you're like, oh man, that can't be good. And then it ran and it then, back again, and it's like, yo, what the, <laughs> what the yes. hell is this? Uh, you but, know, nowhere where it was stronger was when she was watching the farewell video from SeaDak uh, when they snuck that right. little thing in her uh, her uh, her good luck charm, and they gave her that 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 send off. And I thought that was that pulled at the heartstrings, man. It got you buttered up for what was coming next. It's like, oh my god, the death, the stench of death is strong on this one <laughs> yeah pretty much but um yeah it's it's definitely a unique show i think it's up there with a lot of takahashi stuff mm-hmm. i wouldn't say it's the best but i i'd say it's it's definitely up there uh it definitely paints you in a mood i think you you go man 13 episodes um is it you know do they skimp on anything mm-hmm. i think it was almost kind of the right the right length i mean Probably in some ways, if they got rid of some of the recycled animation, they might be able to get it down to twelve. Because <laughs> there there are parts kind of in the middle where if I if, you know I think Chris mentioned earlier, if you don't have to see the the schematics, uh, <laughs> you know the computer schematics of the Havocs again, it won't be too soon because um, you do see a lot of that. But it kind of fits within the motif of this type of show where everything is being shown as, you know, pictures and video footage. So it would make sense that you would go back to it. It'd been very annoying if it, if it was just, uh, filmed as a regular show, but, um, definitely, uh, definitely a good, uh, alternate when it comes to a giant robot type of show and, and definitely heavy, heavy on the geopolitical intrigue and conspiracy theories abound in this one. And plus a perfect depiction of how it is to be a journalist in a bar all the time. Oh, yes. Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, except for Shirasu, because she's out, out in the field, all the other Kagi spends most of his time in a bar that is full of 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 Dennis like uh, journalists and My, minus the uh, the blonde woman, it's all a bunch of Dennis's in there. Pretty much, it's just <laughs> a bunch Lisa. of bunch of uh, pot belly, stubble, middle aged guys drinking hard liquor, and then some you know bouncy blonde chick that's got you know that's uh, ready to um, you know save the world because she's still got that 
I, you know, that, that idealism to her oh, about man. journalism and the power it can do where all these other guys are just drowning in bottles <laughs> looking for you their next the, big think score. The UN has the best culture? Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> you, when it, the, I, I, know all, I know both of you guys had to laugh when they first showed them all at the bar. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Especially Chris, be, you know, yeah. working in that industry. It's like. You just like, feel the stink of Dennis all over that place without even being there. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, there was a few points I'd actually, I would actually pause the, I would pause the show to see, you know, they sneak in Dennis, is he maybe in the background somewhere? <laughs> but uh, I couldn't find him. So, oh, man. but his spirit lives on there. His oh, spirit yeah. definitely lived and, on, and his spirits too. Yeah. <laughs> and his, his spirit and the spirits were, yeah, they were not only living on, but they were flowing. Hell yes. So, um, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a good watch, and I'll send it back to Chris for his thoughts. So I had seen the first episode of this a long time ago and never got around to watching the whole show until in preparation for this segment. So I was familiar with the conceit of the all cameras, and I was wondering how well could this be maintained throughout the entire series. And it works except for those occasions that you see that they're really taking advantage of this technique to cut some corners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Such as the frequent use of, you know, the still shots of the command center, mm-hmm. the frequent use of the schematic of the havoc transforming rather than actually showing it to transform. <laughs> That old chestnut. <laughs> that, definitely heavy in the middle episodes of that, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, even late in the show, they pull up that video, I'm like, oh my god, this freaking video, I swear to god, play this play this damn yeah. video one more time. <laughs> like, play that damn video one more time. Yo, like Dennis, take a shot every time you see it. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Oh, right? You'll be brain dead before, you'll be brain dead before long. <laughs> So, you know, I like this idea of showing the dual perspectives of Shirasu out in the field and Akagi back in the city learning different things and everything from his perspective. Although I got to say, sometimes I, I feel that uh, Akagi's a little a little too intense. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it comes to uh, Shirasu. Mm-hmm. Real protective. A little yeah. protective. It's like, okay, dude, you probably want to put it in. That's okay. But like, chill out. Man. <laughs> chill out. Yeah. Um, but all of his stuff with uh, that woman that he meets and talking to people on the streets, that's all fascinating. Um, I particularly loved on Shirasu's side that episode where she stays with um, the nomads oh, yeah. in their yurts and she's hanging out with the doctor and oh, yeah. you know all that stuff, that sad stuff with the old lady mm-hmm. and then finding out who she was. Yeah. That was all great stuff. Um. You know, there's a lot of geopolitics in this series, and it reminds me a lot of Takahashi's earlier work, Gasaraki, where they first experimented with this concept because in Gasaraki, all of um, the exposition is done in TV news broadcasts. That's right. And that whole concept is kind of continued here. 
I wonder if I can actually make it through that series this time, now that I've seen Flag and some of his other work. Because I think that's the first show of his I've ever watched, uh, Gasaraki, and I only made it through the first DVD, and I was never, uh, I just wasn't enticed to watch the rest. Um, maybe the story picks up later on, but I was thinking about that as, as I was watching Flag. It's like, I wonder if Gasaraki is definitely worth the trip. So, uh. The thing about Gasaraki is it's got, you know, all the geopolitics, it's got all of the mecha stuff, um, but then it's got all of like the weird no and mysticism. Mm-hmm. So Flag basically is Gasaraki, but less confusing and minus all of that mysticism stuff. Yeah. So very stripped down, very real. Um, the two mechas, the Havoc and the Longku, like I said, are base are barely mecha. Yeah. <laughs> they're really more just upright tanks. Yeah. That have arms, but they're still better than the gun tank. No, they're not. How dare oh, you? oh, damn. How dare you say that? <laughs> Gun Tank was part of Project V, man. So I definitely uh, appreciated showing a different perspective on a mecha series because this show doesn't follow any of the tropes you usually find God, in a Gun Tank no. Oh, yeah. There's no kids around except for, you know, the little nomad kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, all of the people in the CDAC are seasoned pros, mm-hmm. and they, as you would expect from a UN crew, are multinational from all sorts of continents. Mm-hmm. And they're all interesting characters who all get some time in the spotlight as they interact with Shirasu. I loved all of her um, little meetings with the cook. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He talks about stuff like uh, how at first he felt depressed because he had this thought that every meal that he was cooking for soldiers could be their last. Yeah. But then he had to stop thinking that way and just make the best food that he could. And and the fact that he went out of his way to learn other people's kind of uh, cuisine in order to make them like the best meals they could possibly have. Um, a, a guy who isn't just just towing the line. He's a guy who went to work the extra mile. I I I didn't notice his character off the bat, but as the episodes progressed, I I, I was looking forward to seeing his sides. I thought he was really cool. Yeah. Um. Also, her interactions with uh, Ichiyanagi and his whole thing about um, feeling guilt at having lost his unit yeah. and that his new unit hadn't accepted him yet. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, her sort of relationship with the helicopter pilot because they spend so much time together and he's just sort of an interesting uh, Lieutenant Nadi. He's just sort of like a, like a big huggable bear of a yeah. person. <laughs> he's from uh i guess uh, a war-torn african Africa. nation yeah uh it was cool to see his perspective on uh on where he came from and what he grew up in and the fact that he uh ended up joining the military in spite of that was i thought was really cool it made it made everybody interesting in that show and just to hear what their backstories were especially him i i, I he definitely was a character i look forward to yeah and this show is very slowly paced so if you're expecting yeah. lots of mecha action do not go into this show with that thought in your mind because the aesthetic that it's grabbing for is everything that I've read about the reality of soldiering, which is that there's lots of waiting and preparation and only a few tense moments of engagement with the enemy and then it's over. Yeah, honestly, you have to look at this like a documentary. Um, Although, of course, it's not real, but the way it's paced and and you're pretty much put in the shoes of these people, it's more of a character piece than anything else. And if you like... uh 
you know, human interest stories on the front lines, you might actually dig this show quite a bit. And yeah, I mean, if 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 you want to have the proper mindset for this show, think of it more like a Ken Burns documentary than a yeah. mechanical robot anime. Heck yes, because <laughs> I, I think the attack on the Metazone Temple is not even till like episode five or six. six. Death yeah. in the middle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you see the havocs couple you see them pretty much you know on the computer screens and then you get close first couple episodes but it's just testing you know there's nothing really going on and it's not even exciting testing it's not like i'm taking out the gun to mark ii to you know a shakedown out in space it's like <laughs> we're gonna take this and shoot at some targets don't don't move so yeah and even when they engage the long coup it's never a close range it's just yeah. uh firing at each other from a distance you know, with a lot with of helicopters. support you know, with a yeah. lot of support. So this is not a traditional NECA series. If you are the kind of person who wants your gritty, ugly old men in robots <laughs> with the real horrors of war, mm-hmm. this is your show. Yeah, they, yeah. Finally. This yeah. is your show because Gundam is never going to be this. Nope. No. It's been close a few times, but all those characters are usually uh, – they're not even the main character. They're just the secondary senpais that end up dying to you know, help the, the main character – Pushed through to the final battle, but exactly. Yeah, and uh, as for Shirasu's death, um, the manner in which it happens is a surprise. But the fact that it happened didn't surprise me at all because yeah. uh, she had a no pun intended death flag on her from the beginning. <laughs> because throughout the whole series, her entire story is being narrated by Akagi in the yeah. past tense. Yes. Yeah. Meaning that he's looking at her footage. Why would he look at her footage? Why wouldn't she be looking at her own footage? Probably because she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. He sounds and real then, mournful, too, in his delivery, too. Like, I watched it in English. Yeah. I don't know if you guys watched it in Japanese. I watched it in Japanese. Yeah, I watched yes. it in English. Like his deli- Voiced by uh, the wild bear. Oh, shoot. That's amazing. Yeah. But even, even in the Japanese, though, you can, you can feel the, you can hear the sullenness that yeah. he's got of just. Yeah, it's, it's like not a happy time. And, yeah. you know, you think to yourself, like, how's it going to happen? How's it? And then, you know, the, the, the mortal peril ends in the 12th episode. The flag is recaptured. And you sort of forget that feeling that you have that she's going to die because everything seems to be going well now. And then, you know, oh, I'm going to go back to see my family, blah, blah, blah. And then you see Akagi filming in the city, the explosion. And that woman says, isn't that the airport? And then you're like, oh, there it is. That's... <laughs> That's it right there. Yeah, pretty much. Oh man! Uh, by, by the way, speaking of her death, here's a here consp- here's a conspiracy theory. Do you think she might have been assassinated? Like I, I got a, like a gist from like Akagi's words that maybe she was targeted because of like she knew too much or something like that. Maybe like or, I, it, it, it could have been a random act of terrorism for all for all we know. But I I think she might have been targeted, man. Well, they, they mentioned that even with the peace agreement being signed, there were still insurgents running around. Yeah. So I I didn't read it that way. Oh, I mean, no, yeah, they were targeted. Yeah. I think they would have given a bit yeah. more of an obvious indication of that if that had been the case. Yeah. So uh, when Akagi's watching that uh, that goodbye video of hers, did you all get a big uh, Bernie Weissman feeling from that? Sure did. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey Al. Uh- <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to get this. Say hi Ooh. to Christina to me. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep. I'm just yeah, driving the knife in further. It's like that That was channeling. That was channeling all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the hamburgers. My tear ducks are empty. 
I, you know, I was almost expecting them to cut to the, you know, not to just be funny, but I thought it, I almost felt like, are they going to maybe cut to the a scene at the airport, maybe on the news or something, showing like you know bodies under um, blank, you know, under sheets or something like that. Ooh. So yeah, but it, it it definitely it definitely had double O eighty all over. It. <laughs> oh man, I had uh, burgers yesterday for dinner actually. <laughs> Delicious. Yes. <laughs> so tasty. Flame world. <laughs> um, I also appreciated the music, which is pretty understated. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of, a lot of drums. Um, yeah. It reminded me a lot of Kenji Kawai, particularly his work yeah. in Pat Liber, where the music provides some extra atmosphere at yeah. key moments and then just kind of fades into the background. Very yeah. minimalist approach. Which makes sense for something like this. You know, that, to, to have like the overbearing soundtrack would have would have taken you out of it, I think. And I, I, the use an atmospheric uh, approach with the OST just makes sense. Yeah, there were a couple of uh, unanswered questions that were kind of niggling at me, and you know, I figure given that it is sh- literally shown from the viewpoint of journalists, journalists are never going to be privy to everything. Yeah, but um, they never really got quite at what uh, Rapos. Yeah, his motivation. What was his motivation? Like, other than, like, oh, it's crazy assassin's cult wants to disrupt the peace process, but but why and for what purpose? And then on top of that, how on earth did they get their hands on secret, undeployed Chinese mecha? And why would China help them? So it was out of the blue, right? Well, you know, it's funny. Akagi went to go see uh, Poe and. I figured we would have got more insight from that interview, but it was kind of cut off a little too quickly. So he didn't really, uh, it wasn't too much reveals in, in regards to that. So I was a little disappointed on that front. But yeah, I would have liked to have known more of their motivations, honestly. Yeah, it just seems like he's generically evil religion guy. Yeah. And and, and the, then uh, and the Mecca show and the Longku showed up just to give the Havoc something to battle right. in yeah. an episode or two. Yeah, because. When they they're like, oh, this is some experimental Chinese prototype, the long code. It's like for something that was like an experimental, almost like oh, this was like a classified program for the Chinese. It's like they sure in the hell knew a lot about it, <laughs> you know. Which I mean, I know there was espionage and stuff, but the fact that they knew a lot about it, but then they didn't know it would even be deployed there, was kind of was kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it that was weird, and it kind of did bother me a little bit about Rupo of being kind of this unresolved villain. Just I'm evil because I'm evil guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I kind of did have that feeling with the long coup that, you know, it was sort of, it felt shoehorned in there. Like you yeah. said, just to give the havoc something to fight because otherwise it outguns pretty everything much else. everything it encounters. So that's the reason why something. it's the reason why they had to bring out those, um, uh, well, they had to brought out the sniper rifle for the fight at the Metazone Temple, but then you know they end up they end up bringing a, um, more of those and outfitting on both Havocs to fight the Long Coups. So kind of yeah, it was a little weird. But I mean, once again, like we like we said, we, we weren't exactly going. You're not exactly going for this show for the Mecha Combat. So mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting Mecha Combat. I just would have liked uh, a, a more bit more explanation yeah. of what the hell the long coup was even doing there to begin with other than be you know the and mega because up until the time that it appeared i was thinking to myself man are they really gonna get through this entire show with just one freaking robot <laughs> <laughs> 
fights. <laughs> I mean, a one-sided fight. Because, <laughs> you know, if you read the the liner notes from ADV's original release of Gasaraki yeah. in the 90s, um, you know, the guy from the studio talking to Aramaki and all these people on the staff said, hey, uh, so there's going to be some more mecha and some... Like some mitzies and upgrades, right? It's like, nope, there's just two mecha. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> two? Two? Why do we buy this? <laughs> two robots? That's it? It's like, so... I mean, I'll be honest. Up until about uh, up until episode six, I was kind of wondering about with the with the havocs. I'm like, are they just going to be testing these things? Because <laughs> it was, you know, normally we would have seen a little bit sooner, but it was just like we're just going to be testing these parts. So showing that schematic. Oh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So, so uh, it should be mentioned that this show was originally released by Bandai, and they did eventually put out an Anime Legends box yeah. set of the series. But Ooh. like everything else from Bandai, it's out of print. So I don't know how much those volumes or that collection are going for. If you wanted to track it down, there is, of course, also the Methods Network. And I would say, given the extremely niche nature yeah. Of this show because I mean it's, it's very niche, niche even as far as Mecha goes and oh, Mecha yeah. itself being a niche, I really can't see anyone picking this up again. Not even Discotech. Man, yeah, it's it, this is this would be a tough one because the the commercial appeal would be extremely limited, and I can't imagine that this was a bestseller for Bandai back in the day, and it would not surprise me if um, this was one of those cases that was pretty common. Back in those days where you wanted to license yeah. some big title and the Japanese distributor would force you to also license some yeah. C or D title that you really don't care about, but you have to release it to get the big fish. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, looking at myself, at, you know, I enjoyed this show, but I don't know how much replay value I would really watch of the show. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, wow, I haven't seen flag in a while let's get depressed oh yeah. yo that victory gun to ride <laughs> when you want to well, feel that's depression an, that's another one <laughs> i mean but but you know i guess if it was that or victory gun i probably would do flag because it's just shorter oh yeah but yeah you're probably right chris uh, nowhere in the in the near future <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad it came though i mean at the end of the day it's one of those one of those series that got slipped through over here and um shout out to anybody who discovered it and got to check it out when it was being released um when i picked it up i got the box set thing for the first volume and it looks like a, a camera case and i thought it was really uh, a really neat packaging that they did for that i mean even though it might have been one of those series that they had to kind of package they had to bring over here because of other other obligations they they did a good job in presenting it and getting it out save for the uh the issues with volume two when it got released and the but then again band that wasn't the only dvd that bandai was having uh yeah i got stuck with that i got ghost in the shell innocence oh boy that's right i remember that (laughs) voice captioning nothing like it birds chirping Street sounds. <laughs> well, actually, I believe uh, Innocence, though, at the time, that was the fault of DreamWorks. Yeah. Yeah, it was the fault of one of those. All I remember is just um, going online, committing, completing out the form, 
And then like a week or so later, I got this um, envelope and it said, here, uh, put your put your DVD in this and we'll send you a new one. <laughs> don't even buy, don't, you don't even have to put the case in it, just the DVD. It's like, okay. So why don't we wrap this up with some ratings and Sobro, what would you give Flag? I, I thoroughly enjoyed this show. You know, it has a few shortcomings. I definitely uh, recommend it highly. I'd give it 4.5 radars for MASH out of 5. Wow. Neil? Even with some of the shortcuts in it, I'll give it 4 out of 5 passed out journalists. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to give it 4.5 out of 5 uh, withered old ladies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Got to give her a medicine, man. <laughs> yep. So check out Flag. It's definitely worth it if you like shows that are a very slow burn and you're not expecting running and gunning robot action. Yeah, and death and depressing. Absolutely. Depression. So that's it for this segment. We'll be right back. You're listening to Gundam. Transformers. Well, you should check out Gundam at MEHQ, a wonderful source to learn about the Autobots. Yes, and once I learn about them, I will be the leader of the Decepticons. What was that, Starscream? Nothing, Lord Megatron. Nothing at all. We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, the Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream. If you want to watch the stream live, make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. 
If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash GundamMAHQ and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit Gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. Man walks down the street in that hat, people know he's not afraid of anything. Gundam straight. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You've been listening to episode 169, where we reviewed the uh, 13-episode anime series, uh, mecha anime series, Flag. Uh, make sure to check that out um, if you can find the DVDs or uh, if you come across it by some other means. But uh, really good show. Um, I hope uh, I hope uh, our review didn't tell you too much about it, but uh, we pretty much went into everything. So uh, if you haven't seen the show and you're going to watch it, definitely watch it with our compliments. It's, it's, it's definitely an interesting watch. Uh, but, but before we close up the episode, uh, I want to let you guys know that there won't be a mailbag this episode. Uh, we have to wrap things up and um, due to due to running out of time today. So uh, many apologies for that. But the mailbag will be, will be back in a future episode. And uh, uh, before we close things out, when you guys have time, please check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha-related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, Look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash GundamMAHQ. YouTube.com slash ChaosTheaterMAHQ. YouTube.com slash FightersReady. YouTube.com slash ShinStationFightTube. And youtube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash Shin Station and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that's it for this episode of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. I 
ripped all the connections apart. And watch, and this took some K-genius. You are gonna love this. When I hook this back to a working battery? Calling all. Calling Oriobot. Oh yeah. I don't think it's a truck at all. I think we just found a transformographer We must find Oriobot. He is our last and greatest hope. What have you done with Oriobot? Them. For Oreo Pop! At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Whoa! There's Bud Light everywhere! Look at all this beer! Get down here and help me drink this! You better have insurance! Insurance? There's frickin' Bud Light all over the ground! I don't trust guys that don't like free beer! Let's go! Step it up, man! <laughs> 